1: and welcome to chapter tactics your competitive 40k podcast brought to you by frontline gaming myself pablo the host mr val heffelfinger the silver-tongued devil of the north wow. silver-tongued
0: devil of the north what an intro hi pablo
1: sean the voice abuse puppy hello and jeff
2: Hello, and I just, i am my five seconds is going to be spent saying, yes, the crickets are mine, I have a wife, sometimes she's listening to music or vacuuming, but that's just what you have to deal with when you get Jeff on the show. Those crickets
0: <laughs> were a star, okay? you know yeah. you, We should get them back on. And the they forlorn are, they train will be on.
2: I'm sure. If they're back there. They're just being bored right now, I guess.
0: They
1: can be like our band. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff doesn't a, a like to show.
3: admit it, but... Those crickets are really the key to his 40K success.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, All right, guys. Um, So we have a a very fun, jam-packed episode for you guys. Uh, Jeff is going to talk about his London GT experience. Um, It's something I've been waiting to listen to for a while. I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, As you may already know, Jeff was a finalist in the London GT Invitational, it is on Twitch stream, and there was a little bit of controversy, uh, but more importantly, Jeff winning such a large, a prestigious event in the Invitational uh, and doing really well. I think that's that's uh, something that I we would love to hear about on Jeff's end. Uh, we're also going to talk about playing loosely on the tabletop and defining where the line is between cheating and playing loosely uh, and, and how to deal with it as a player at a tournament right um because i think there's some definite misconceptions there that we need to talk about we need to clear out those edges and tell everyone this is where the line is and finally we're going to talk about a couple tournaments hit, uh, hit you guys up with some tournament news um hint it's still really diverse i'm pretty excited to talk about it specifically the midwest Conquest. midwest conquest gt yeah anyways jeff tell us about the lunge gt man
2: yeah, so it's my first international Warhammer tournament, which is another kind of um, check off the list. You know, I, I'm a real big try hard with the things that I really enjoy. So uh, going to Nova, going to War Games Con, that, that's been fun. It's been cool to travel the country, but to go to an international tournament. Um, and when I say international too, like not to discount our lovely brothers of, of, of Canada, but like I mean a significant, you know, go over to Europe, see a different scene um, there's different and, metas, of course, and Canada has a wonderful scene as well, but there's something special about traversing over that ocean and competing against, um, at, at least if if they can be trusted, the best players in the <laughs> entire world. So, um, they'll be quick to tell you that. So it was, it was a huge honor to do that. And the travel situation was always going to be fun. I was going with Frankie Reese and some of our other friends, Nick was there and, um, The salty banana himself, who's got his own little fame as well and on the signals on the front line. And and that was always just going to be cool, and it was beautiful weather over there, Um, so it was nice. And the Lion GT itself, um, I was excited by the size of it. The 400 players, uh, at least, was was really exciting. I practiced the missions a couple of times. We all knew that they were going to be kind of goofy. Using maelstrom cards and book missions is weird, but that's closer to how they play over there. Um, Even that being said, though, these missions weren't like, that's what they do. Um, it was just like an amalgamation of what they do, kind of thing. Uh, but in the practice games, I kind of was like, I I think I accidentally wrote a really good list for this because it doesn't give up kill points, it kills things pretty well, and um, I have a lot of obsec. So if I'm sitting on objectives, I'm doing a good job here. So um, I say accidentally because I did not write my list being like, what's the mission? You know, what are we doing? What do I think will be the best? I was like, I'm taking custodies because they're they're so fun, and you know from there I think I'm just going to run a bunch of bikes cuz I got a bunch of bikes and that seems pretty cool and it just turns out that that was really good. <clears throat> so day 1 uh you already kind of get this sense of dread because we showed up an hour and a half before the doors were supposed to open and there was already a line probably like 100 or 200 people deep and we were like, "Ooh, that's not good." Mm-hmm. Um, then the doors then the line of course wraps around the whole building. The door is open and it's an hour until dice are supposed to be hitting the frickin' table. Um, this is after the invitational day, by the way. This is because the first day we just walked in. But even that was kinda funny because there was like no way to get in and that was disorganized and we found like a hole in the wall. And then we walked in and the security came over and was like, How'd you get in here? And we we're like, I don't know and they're like, Okay
0: Well you me- you mentioned you mentioned it was like Hogwarts when you were going over there, so you know, yeah. you gotta know that secret. Bookstore, you got to walk It Might have been a
2: wardrobe we walked through. Yeah, yeah, some kind of some interesting passageway.
1: No, this was a football stadium, right? Uh, a football, soccer stadium, yeah. right? So concrete, not 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 a cushy hotel lobby,
2: right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. In order to have a tournament in London, you basically had to do it here to wow. suit that many people, which which is probably why, if and when they do the next tournament, they're not going to do it here. And I'll get to that in a minute, but um, probably not even in London because just they don't have the infrastructure for it. There is no hotel that big, which is kind of interesting because, you know, London hit maximum occupancy like 400 fucking years ago. And now, (laughs) you know, you don't just throw down a gigantic hotel that has convention space. That just doesn't happen. And if it has happened, it costs a million dollars to rent. Right. Um, So day one, I'm kind of being all over the place, but day one... I'll come back to that, because that's part of the Invitational. But I guess the the GT day, the shit show, just to kind of get this out of the way. Because th- there's not, like, a whole big discussion on this, I don't think. Everyone kind of knows. But the security line is really bad, so Reese offers to the help. They get in there. They get a few more people. Because originally they had one person checking bags. And they weren't. They, there was not a fire under their butt at all. It was just kind of like, next, next. And it was going to be like, that was going to take six hours. It was going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, the tournament ends up starting about an hour late, which all things said and done it could have been a lot worse. Um, uh, part of the problem of course is people file in and they're starting to see the tables and there's kind of laughing. There's not like, there's nobody screaming in the corner like, no, no, <laughs> you know, no one's like that. They're just kind of like, "Oh, that's too bad. And you look at some tables and a bunch are unpainted. They had um, a blog thing on the London GTs, so uh, Facebook sad. page where he's just like, yeah, we didn't finish it. It is what it is. It's like, oh, okay. Um, for me, that sucks, especially if you travel. Uh, but the terrain was very functional. Um, not particularly, uh, nobody would say it's beautiful. It, it, even if painted, it would be a very ugly table. But, um, and, and a lot of the tables were painted, um, which is just, you know, that styrofoam terrain spray painted basically is painted. Uh, but it was functional. So there is line of sight blocking, because that's the first check off on my list. Like, if there's no line of sight blocking, then you're transporting me back to the mid 90s and, like, you know. Some armies just get blasted. and You're like, "Good game, sir." Like, hey, it was fun. It's like, no, it wasn't. But that, that's Warhammer. Um, but because there was line of sight blocking, it felt like there was some strategy there. But anyways, the worst part for me, this is my first round, and I'm not even embellishing this to to make it funny. It just was funny, and I can only just now laugh about it. But the the tables were so jam packed that there must have been maybe 18 inches from one table to the next. That's not American. Let's call no. it let's let's call it 20, 25. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I'm a big guy, but not the biggest, but one of the biggest guys was the other guy that was next to me with his butt to me. Um, so I just couldn't go around the table, you know, cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to straight up and eject myself into this man every time. So I'm asking my opponent to help move stuff. That's fine. Whatever. That happens to Warhammer. But I fucking kid you not that guy or somebody else in my area Was doing that Warhammer thing where you fart and you probably just assume that nobody knows it's you because it's got to be somebody else. Well, there was so many of us in close proximity that I couldn't tell who it was. But he farted for three hours. Oh, man. I'm in this like pressure chamber of stress because it's just, you know, there's a guy behind me ramming his backside up into mine. And it's hot and it's crowded and it's loud and this guy is someone in there or maybe it's not just one guy, to be fair. I never really, you know, I didn't track him. I'm like, Excuse me, are you the farter? But I <laughs> couldn't find it. But but just my first round was I had this weird out of body experience because I, I don't like that. I'm a pretty temperamental player. Like I really like to play my game and, you know, win or lose off the game. Which we'll
0: go into later. Were you at um, least commenting loudly about the fact that someone was just ripping ass the whole well, time? Well, that's
2: the thing. There's a buildup, right? Because at first, I'm, I'm I'm the pretentious American. I'm like, oh, somebody farted. I'm like, Oh my god, how rude! And they're kind of <laughs> like looking. the other way around.
0: You're supposed to be like
2: ripping no. farts,
0: and and everybody.
2: oh, I, I never. No, no. I mean, after we won the war a couple hundred years ago, it's, it's like <laughs> our job to be really you know the leaders, the role models. Um, but anyways uh so it just kept happening but like the 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 funny thing i had this out of body experience because the first time i look around like wow somebody farted like that's kind of a weird thing to do uh in a situation like this and it just kept happening and and i got to a point where i'm like grossed out frustrated sweaty my voice is already hoarse and i just had this funny adult jeff moment where like i looked down at myself from like my spirit you know kind of floating above me and it was just like how fucking ridiculous is this? And we kind of made eye contact and just had a chuckle, and and then I, had, I just kind of endured. You know, I didn't. It didn't. I didn't let it escalate and become the worst thing ever. Um, but I just sat in a fart for three hours in this terrible situation. Um, beyond that, the tournament itself. There's a lot of that kind of thing. The tables numbers didn't make a whole lot of sense. So getting your table took a while. Um, uh, European players are, I would say. Of a higher quality overall. Like they're generally better players, at least at that tournament, but they're very methodical about their movement, um, which translates to pretty slow play, right? And when you're having a tough time getting to your table and then it's jam packed, there's nowhere to put your army, so situating yourself takes a couple of minutes. A few of my opponents, I had to be the unpleasant Jeff guy where I'm like, hey, your deployment took 30, your first turn took about 45, we actually have to pick it up because, you know, we're halfway through the game now. And that's, that is, I get the sense that, that is not okay over there <laughs> because of the like three <laughs> opponents that I said that to, all three of them gave me the same kind of look of like, all right, yeah, we'll get through it, mate. Like, chill out. And I'm like, well, no, we won't. If, if you keep playing the way, you know, in my head, I'm like, eh, we won't actually. If you just kind of keep doing it what you're doing it. But the nice thing about this show is they, my turns take about 10 minutes. So all games are finished. How long so was the, the round, shit how, side.
0: How long were the round times?
2: 2.45. Okay. did did anyone i'm sure
1: i already know the answer to this but were there chess clocks anywhere no i mean
2: i guess i heard that they had some available upon like request or something
1: they're just in a dusty closet somewhere
2: something like that i don't want to speak too authoritatively on that because maybe they had 20 of them i just never saw any Ah. um and i will say to backtrack a little bit, so that we don't have to go into huge you know i don't want to take up the whole time but the, the gt itself the players were very lovely for the most part. The train was crap, but I think most of the hubbub about that was out of the tournament. Like, there weren't people at the tables just being like, "I, You know what? I didn't hear anyone be like, I quit! The train's terrible! The food's garbage! And they stormed off. The, everyone played, everyone was laughing, they were having a good time. I think the general attitude, you know, if you ask someone, nobody was like, I love the train. Nobody was like that. They were <laughs> like, this is disappointing. This is too bad. And I think a lot of people felt more of a sense of disappointment that this was the big London tournament. Like, like come to London and this is what you get. Yeah. So that was the kind of sense of like, oh, that's embarrassing. It was more of like an embarrassment that way. But all the opponents were lovely. Um, I enjoyed my games. European players are fantastic. Um, I was, you know, they all speak really well. I, I it, It's just amazing that way. Every British person is, could be a fucking presenter or host of something. They, They just <laughs> all could. And most of them are, to be fair. Um, but backtracking to the invitational, um, my uh, my opponents there that was interesting because the the hyper competitive invitational players are very different from like our top tier North American type players. So European players are very studious about like what do they think the meta is, what is the missions, what is the terrain going to do for me, and how can I win? And a lot of times when a competitive player asks themselves how can I win one of the best answers that a lot of them come up with is not die and sit on objectives. And I'm not even saying that to make fun of them, but my first two lists, the two lists combined, had 150 plague bears. No. Yeah, Yeah,
0: 150. When I saw your draw for the second game, I was like, oh, man. But I, 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 I mean, it was favorable. Like, we talked about it before you went over, but it was still like, oh, it's a slog.
2: Yeah, no, in the first two games, I think I lost a total of Maybe three or four bikes and like five guardsmen, and I'm not even exaggerating. I'm not sitting here bragging. It's just like that's that's how the game was. I, um, and the second game was close. Is the kind of funny thing. The first game had its moments too, but it was close, which is a weird feeling because he's not killing anything, but he's just also not dying in droves.
3: I find that really interesting because of the format. Because it wasn't a, a win loss format; it was a battle point format, which is pretty rare these yeah. days. And like a Nurgle list like that, just isn't going to score very many points, even in a winning game.
2: Agreed. Yeah, um, and that's why in the open, I don't think there was like one Nurgle list that went 3-0 for a while there. I think a couple made appearances up there. There, uh,
1: there, there were two two Chaos lists. Uh, one was a, a kind of a more of a Death Guardy, you know, uh, less point scoring list, and both of them were in like like fiftieth place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both went undefeated. Uh, which you know, I, I mean, at first when I you know when I talked I talked to Reese and Frankie about their thoughts on the tournament. At first, I was I was very bummed, was very disappointed because I don't like battle points scoring. But they also yeah. paired you um, with using battle points, so so your actual win loss record didn't matter. You could have lost all your games and gotten near max points every single game and won the whole tournament or won best general, I, I should say. Um, which to me is really weird. Uh, but if they're pairing Based off of battle points, um, it's not as bad as if you're pairing off win loss record and then, you know, using battle points. But that that being said, um, it's it's weird. It's I would said. say,
0: I would say I don't. I mean, I, I don't want to speak too much on behalf of the entire European side of things. But the impression I get certainly is that battle points is the more common setup for them. Yeah, which I think to Jeff's really?
3: point. Really? Um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Which to Jeff's point, I think is is. Is really interesting because yeah, you want to be able to score in that. And so usually, I think that that's why you see the Europe. Uh, another reason why you see European lists being so heavy power. You know, they want to they want to get the tabling so they can get max points. Yeah, which, which is yeah. You know, what what your list, Jeff, was really good at doing.
2: Yep, and I, and ultimately, um, the guy that won best general took an even more savage,
0: you know, skewed custody
2: spike type list. I mean, to your point, I, I think and the general chatter from a lot of the guys I talked to was this format was different enough. That it caught a lot of the European players a little bit off guard. So it's not like everyone took Nurgle, but definitely all the Nurgle. It was funny because one of the guys' lists was also what was it like eighty-three Nurgling uh bases as well? And 81. the same kind of Yeah, I was
3: crazy. I was rooting for that guy. It was eighty
2: three, Sean. There was two that weren't even <laughs> accounted for. I don't know. Uh <laughs> I no, should have. The whole concept Phantom. of that is zero lethality as well. It was just literally to have table presence where you can't get out of your corner. And then you're just generating Maelstrom and you're just controlling. Because there's a lot there's a few missions that were progressive, so then it makes sense the nurgling stuff. But where it's a little bit more complicated is there was a bunch of kill point missions where and those nurgling lists did not don't kill anything, like anything at all. Maybe you know, five scouts if they're stupid enough to get too close, but other than that, they are not killing anything. Um, so that was weird. But my opponent's were really lovely. The the first guy JP, 27 plague drones, 83 plague bears, and like four characters. <laughs> fiend that was his list uh and i drew this and i looked at it and i was like oh my god that's so awesome because i was like it's just basically can i kill this guy fast enough there's no stress about me dying or anything uh and that is how it played out and then the second guy was neil who is another uh etc of scotland um he talked very highly of himself i think he called himself the bully of the team like he's the guy that they send out to kill other people really good what was like yeah was <laughs> like he, he's the attacker i guess he's, one of the ways you would describe it, um, but he took ninety plague bearers, twenty zombies, like five or six characters, and then three hundred and sixty points
0: of summoning more zombies. Wow! Um, <laughs> and I was Neil, like, okay. Neil is on uh, another show. He actually did an interview, and uh, I know you were talking about the, the hurry up thing earlier. Oh yeah, I mean, he, it was interesting to see because I, I you've talked when we talked about slow play. You've you chatted about you know the need to. Just make it oh, clear yeah. with your opponent that you want to finish the game, and so it was. It was interesting to hear the perspective of of a European. who's probably never been told to hurry up. yeah uh, I got that <laughs> talking about that experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was funny because I because I do it. I'm a, I'm a. I, I walk up to the table, very cordial. You know, hello. You know, it's so nice. Oh, it's nice to meet. How how you night? I'm like in London, mate? Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's a great place. And then it gets a little bit quiet as we're kind of unpacking our models, and I go, hey. The only thing I want to do is finish this game, win or lose. And usually people take that, you know, they don't know what's happening. It's a verbal contract that I, I've written in my devil ink. And then I've, I've poked them on the finger and I hand the contract across the table and I go, sign it, you motherfucker. And then they look at it and they're like, yeah, of course. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. And then and then the rest of the game goes. And then when they take their hour and a half, because these guys are doing the thing where he grabs the the ruler and he's doing two inches between every plague bear oh so i I let him do it the first turn i'm like looking at it i'm like all right you know movement's important and that's his whole army so i get it but if he tries this on turn two i'm gonna explain to him i'm gonna be like hey look just state your intent is to be two inches apart then shove those guys and if it comes down to a dispute or something like that i'm gonna give it to you or whatever but i need to play this game um, that being said, Neil and JP both were very wonderful opponents. And when I said this, cause it took turn one, it took a very long time. And I said, Hey man, just as a heads up, I really, you know, we need to play faster because I want to finish this game. Uh, he looked at me and said, right, mate, I'll do my best, you know, whatever. And then as the game went on, I said a couple more times, but it was becoming very clear that I was ahead. And at one point, Neil just said, Hey, um, I'll try to play faster. You're going to win this. You've got it. Like, um, just you know I, I i just i have to do some things to try and make it close or whatever and at that point whenever someone says that i pull off the gas i'm like okay that's fine as long as you know because I, I unfortunately i've been in too many situations and i can't do this if i travel but if you play somebody and they're just like oh it looks like we're at the you know top of three and it, oh you don't have enough time for your turn judge does he not have a time no he doesn't okay yeah well shit i i win you know i'm it, Jeff flips the table, goes to jail. A constable has to arrest me because I'm strangling a Scotsman in, in London. You know, like, that, that would be what happens. So uh, I just don't let it get to that point, obviously. And I'm joking for the people that don't understand sarcasm out there. Which, there's a lot, <laughs> there's of a lot of them. <laughs> um, yeah, he's but he joking. was very it's, nice about that.
3: It's not actually a crime to kill a Scotsman in London. Just, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah!
2: Um, and he was a great opponent. It was a very strategic game. He actually made it close, like I said. It was, it was about to be... Completely my game, but then my um, shield captain failed a four-inch charge, re-rolling both dice because uh, I did one with grand. I did one with it was either I, well, I did one with the command point reroll, and the other one was e- with either grand scratches or victory of the blood games or something like that. But which I think I can't do with victory of the blood games. Anyways, I re-roll both dice and they both fucking failed. And I was just like, it was probably the relic bike. Yeah, that was, it was. Um, so that was crazy. But then the third game was against. 30 plague bears so at this point in time i played 180 plague bears by the way Jeez.
3: um
2: so i got an impression of europe by the way uh <laughs> and then seven demon princes Arimon, a zanger shaman and then i want to say a um i don't know some other guy that cast powers and like five of them were zinch or whatever and i looked at this and i was like lol uh but then we got hammer we got um Vanguard deployment, and I just put the Clexus the furthest out, and he kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and we nodded to each other, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> that, was, that was it. Like He has no shooting in his list, so I just walked it forward. He kind of saw what was happening, because I was just taking pot shots at him with all my bikes. So he jumped forward, I countercharged, game over.
1: Now, I thought the demon... Are demon princes not affected by the rule of three, or...
2: So, they have different data sheets. You can do, like, uh, three... Zinch ones, three oh, ones. there's Thousand Sons and uh-huh. Death Guard and Chaos Team.
3: Okay, all right, all right, Yeah, I think you can bring. We 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 mathed it out at one point. I think you can bring like 17 Demon Princes or something stupid like that oh. if that's yeah. all you want to do.
1: Yeah, it just it just seems interesting
0: that um, this, this is classic it, 40k players missing the point. I think, although, oh yeah, well, I get the need yeah. to, need to observe rules written, but like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Well,
3: funny. The, the hard part, I've I played in some Highlander tournaments where this has come up in the past, and it's kind of like, what do you call the same unit? Because some people are like, oh, Mephiston's actually a captain. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Mephiston, the chief librarian? <laughs> people are stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people will argue that all kinds of things are actually something else, so you really have to just, like, every data sheet is every data sheet, you know? Just because they have one word different. Well, they're different.
2: <laughs> I always go off, and it, this is not a catch-all, but if you have to really, if you have a prepared speech and an argument made on behalf of why what you're doing is legal, yeah, uh, generally don't do it. Just just in general. You can maybe get away with it, but it's, it's um, what you don't get away with hurts so much worse than what you do get away with, right? Like, mm. So this sets up game four. And this will segue nicely into our discussion. Sorry, this has been a Jeff monologue. Make sure to cut me off if you guys have I'm into it. anything you want to say. It's good talk. Um, so it's Alex Harrison, the Tau player for the finals. And in order to understand the situation, you have to understand everything leading up to it. So um, he's an LBO winner. Um, I, I knew that. He's a great player. He does Glass Hammer TV, which is some really wonderful Warhammer content. They stream battle reports. Um, and I think they do have things very akin to Nick Nanavati's the brown magic, the, the pseudo racist brown magic name or what, whatever. <laughs> um, but he can say that because he's brown. Um, it's 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 right up that alley, and I definitely recommend you check it out. It's good stuff. Um, I have no qualms with Alex whatsoever. Like going into this, we've talked a couple of times, but like very briefly online, and I think a little bit in person, but nothing. We're not best mates, as they would say over there, or anything like that. Um, and I, I don't know of him either, so I actually. Hadn't heard of his reputation or anything like that, but we get paired up. It's a day later because you go three zero, you play to the semifinals, and then you sleep on it. And the next day is the GT, and at the end of the GT, your fourth round is the finals of this invitational. So between those two days, I had, and I'm not making this up, no less than ten to fifteen people I've never met in my life come up to me and say, "Yeah, right, mate. You playing out? Al- you playing Alex Harrison? All right." Bit of a cheeky fucker, that one. He'll uh, play pretty quick. Oh. Little bit. He'll fuck around. They, they call it fucking around. And every time they say this, I'm like... Jarred? I don't know what that fucking means. Like, what does fuck-? fucking... around to me means, like, you know, you come in and with a whoopee cushion or something like that, but... <laughs> um, And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right, okay, yeah, what do you mean? And they're like, I ah, just gotta keep your eyes on him, watch his hands. And that's, like, the worst thing to hear, right? You're like, well, wait, well, what do you mean, watch his hands? And they're like, well... He- He'll pick up some extra dice, he'll he'll do this, he'll do that. So 10 to 15, and I'm just saying that to be scientific, by the way. I'm not like It's 12 documented people. I have their names and IDs. I don't have that.
0: It was a good um, sample.
2: It was a good sample. Walking back to my hotel, getting hit up on Facebook, all this stuff. This is what was being told to me. Uh, side, side table this. Reese goes out and parties, because that's what Reese does. He's a 37-year-old man-baby, and he still parties. Um, and while he was out there, British people went up to him another handful of people and told him the same thing he then ran into alex harrison himself and this is this is not this is just funny flavor by the way this this is just warhammer shit this isn't this does not build proof or anything but alex is like yeah he was talking to reese He's like what do you you know what what about jeff what, what kind of player is he and reese probably said something nice but he would never tell me that um so that part of the story will go dark we don't know um but what, he, what Alex did say to him is he's like, yeah, I mean, Jeff's list's pretty good, but I just don't know if he's a good enough general to kind of beat a player of my caliber. Uh. Mm. So he tells Reese this, and Reese, of course, couldn't quickly enough tell me that he had said that. So then my warrior spirit was triggered, and I, I kind of, you know, that night, I put some eye black under my eyes, and I was squatting naked in the corner <laughs> of our room. And,
1: Listen to some survivor. Uh, <laughs>
2: For sure, and I cut my chest with like a, a, a heated knife, you know, and this whole thing. More of a I, want, I wanted to destroy it. him. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, or a taxi driver okay i don't know this
0: rapper robert de Niro differently anyway
2: uh, you know most of us are under the age of 60
0: though oh
2: you have to watch it it just came out in Calgary, 2017 i
1: have okay. a timing question so yeah. so the invitational because you played alex twice while you were over yes this, right did the invitational game happen it happened right after the first time you played immediately them, right? after yeah right so so tell me about that first game so this is yeah because because you you went into this you you just creamed three poor chaos players right to yep. get to the invitational finals you, you're out reese is partying all these people are telling you about alex harrison and then the gt starts in mm-hmm. your third round is alex and you lose to him so like what's your what's your thought process here
2: yeah it was funny so i i, I... Won my first two games of the Open. Uh, really lovely players, but you know, the custodians only know they only know one gear, and that's eleven. They just kind of just push it full max. Um, and then I looked at the points. I think I had nine. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. What it was it was something like ninety-two battle points? And lo and behold, Alex Harrison has ninety-two battle points. And I was like, "Son of a bitch, this is going to happen, isn't it?" Uh, and of course, it does happen. We get paired up. So we go to the table, and Alex is a super lovely guy, by the way. He's a handsome. Jovial, nice guy. He's a very good Warhammer player. Um, so he's coming over. All smiles. We're laughing that we're that this is happening because literally right after this, Zach has told us like, "Get your asses up here. We gotta play. You'll have an hour and a half to do the finals." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, that's ridiculous." Yeah. Um, but we go up to the table, and I went immediately over to Alex and said, "Give me a hug. This is our you know we're we're playing two games in a row." And I said, "I gotta tell you, you have a bit of a reputation. A bunch of people." Have told me that, and I said, "So, so set the uh, so." What I told him is it set the record straight. We're going to play this game. I'm going to judge you off of this game, and it's kind of an uncomfortable thing to say to somebody, especially something so, someone you don't know, because you're yeah. basically being like, "Hey, you're, you've been, you know, you're known as a cheater," and I, or at least a loose player, and I don't want you to do that. Um, I try to say as friendly as possible, but I also want to put them on notice and just say, "I want to play a real game of Warhammer." This is Warrior so jet talking. Oh yeah, it's it's warrior spirit, Jeff. So but he he. But very, also, I think
0: that's that's in fairness to Alex too. Like, hey, I've heard a lot of shit about you, man. Like, yeah, you know, you got a chance to not be the shitty guy. Yeah. Heard, I'm the way I operate my whole life is just say it out loud. I mean,
2: like, you know, people have had opinions about me too, and one of the worst things that happens is they keep it to themselves and don't give me a chance to kind of confront it or prove them, you know, wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes there's nothing huh. you can do, right? So Alex and I play this game and it is a completely lovely game. We had we had the same kind of and I'll get into this in a minute because this is part of what bothered me, but like the same kind of stuff where it's like, hey, you're out of range, like, do you mind if I nudge it? I had movement, and I'll be like, no, that's fine, and, and then or, you know, I'll be like just stuff back and forth. It's not like it was all on his side, but the same kind of stuff that they were citing in our game where I had mentioned, like, I'm gonna use grand strategies. He's like, You already have. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It's like that kind of Warhammer stuff back and forth, so it's just totally fine. Uh I, I learned for the first time what Ion hammerheads fucking do to anything when they have like thirty marker lights available to them. Yes. Um so yeah. it was a bit of a test it was a bit of a test run for me because I'm like, Bikers! Ho! And they like jump on top of a building and then they all get obliterated. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> uh so he he won that game. It was gonna be a pretty big routing, but after he annihilated the first two biker units, I started to hide and play the obsec game, so I brought it back and made it kind of close, but ultimately still lost. Um, And then we packed our stuff up. I said, I'll see you up there, and we went up there. Um, And then we get up there, and Alex cites this a lot. He's like, there's a change in attitude for for me. Um, And there was. The attitude change was, I'm in the finals, and I want to win real bad. Um, So I'm really focused. And that puts some people off, because some people play Warhammer, and it's like, you know, there could be beers between them and pretzels and stuff like that. Um, I, I try not to be too much of a, like, uh, curmudgeon when I play, I guess, because that can affect the enjoyment of my opponent, but to be fair, um, I try to be, like, respectful
0: and polite, but I'm very focused, so that's what I was. So, so as a, as a spectator, I, I got to actually watch you live, which I find hilarious. Yeah. Because it's 40k, but it's awesome. And, uh, and it was funny, because the chat was actually a little bit like, hey, this is Jeff guys, you know, a little bit dick <laughs> oh yeah and like if so a few times i had to wait in there and be like hey yeah, man it's top tables of the invitational here you know like, yeah they're, they're big boys they can handle it but it's funny to me how this you know ultimately flips around
2: yep and it's um it's also twitch chat so it's like every time i play any game reese and i play on frontline gaming stream and stuff like that there's always people concerned with that and that's and that's it doesn't bother me at all because that's that's just who i am too like i'm not gonna it'll be it, i'm i'm probably beating you really bad if you get to the table and you hear a bunch of jokes and I'm having a really good time because <laughs> then I'm, I'm not focused anymore and I'm like the game's over right so it it does happen but when it's a close game with a good general and it's a it means a lot I make less jokes I'm more serious uh, and also my play style just the way I learned competitive warhammer is like if a guy's two phases later and he's like do you mind if I move that into range I'll be like yeah
0: I, I do mind <laughs> like uh, that's not the kind of Warhammer I play. So that you know that that tone shift was it like was it jarring from one game to the next, or would you say you're about pretty even keel from 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 that laugh? Because it's kind of crazy that you guys played back. And yeah. Back. So like, was it more or less picking up where you left off, or did you like say, okay, dude, now we're now we're serious? I
2: wouldn't call it jarring, but it was definitely different. Yeah, it was definitely serious. So some laughter, and I mean, like I said too, to be fair, uh, he heard. So the same. What I just said is the same is true in reverse. So like in the first game, he fucking blew up half my army in two free turns um so i I immediately relax because i'm like well i'm dead you know (laughs) i don't get more serious when i'm super dead i get more relaxed um and then we get to the finals and i I went into it more serious i had a better tactic a better idea of what i needed to do to win um so i'd say i was like a six out of ten in seriousness in our first game and then i went up to like a nine so you can be the judge of you know how jarring that is or whatever but you mm-hmm. like you said you watched it i still make jokes they're just more sarcastic and dry yeah, and
0: i would say firm, firm but fair and yeah, i mean you yeah weren't, you, weren't mean. you were not mean you're just like yeah you, know, you were you were holding your ground yeah. that's
2: that i think that's fair if I, I i probably was a little bit mean that was just too nice to say it but um a little jeff tries you know if i'm cooking a, if i'm cooking a warhammer game you put a little bit of salt on there you put a little bit of mean and then i'll go you know what this dish could use a little bit more mean and i'll sprinkle it on there just a little bit Uh, And then when people are like, that's too much of it, you know what? It is too mean. And I'll pull back immediately. And that's usually how I pick up a Warhammer game. (laughs) Um, But you guys, you know, you saw the match. If if our viewers haven't, uh, or listeners haven't, it's on Gaming underscore TV. It is as of now, still the last broadcast, but even if it's not, it's just one or two back. Um, It's linked everywhere. You can watch it. Um, I'll just say my piece, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and we can have this discussion. Um, I want to start by, by reaffirming what I said, and that is that Alex is a super lovely guy. Um, in all of our discussions on the mat on the table, after and before, I came away from it feeling pretty good, feeling like I wasn't being uh, wamboozled or cheated or anything like that. Even um, with everything that happened, I never felt like I was being cheated. Um, he's been pretty reasonable. Uh, like he's been getting interviewed about it a lot. My big thing is, that I want to talk about is kind of um, the almost atmosphere of it, where it's kind of like, "Hey, he has this reputation." A lot of the, his answer for this, by the way, is that people don't like him, and he calls them Chinese whispers, which I guess is some weird British saying for like something. I, don't know, it's, I mean, they occupied it for for
1: how long? I'm sure sure it means something to them.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. England occupied everything. That's true. Um, anyways, Those so American whispers. He'll tell you, and this is where this is where it begins to be a problem for me. Every single thing that's brought up, he'll tell you. Ah, oh, people don't like me. They're spreading rumors. It's lies. Um, and then everything that happened, he'll be like, "That's something that happens." I was tired. Why would I move a hammerhead with my glass? Um, people pick up wound counter dice. It was an accident. And then he'll say little things too, like. Uh, I noticed that Jeff didn't have a wound dice there, so why wasn't anyone accusing him of trying to cheat? Then he deleted that comment because he watched the video and was like, oh, Jeff did have a dice wound there. I picked it up. Um, and then he'll say stuff like, Jeff tried to use grand strategist twice. Why isn't he called a cheater? And this is the part that really starts to irk me. First is the defensiveness. And anytime someone's got an answer for everything and there's like zero accountability for the most part, um, that becomes a, that becomes a problem. Because that is that fast and loose play being created, like given an excuse basically. Um, if he would have just said to all that, like, "Hey, I didn't. That's not me trying to cheat. Um, I guess I should tighten up my play, especially with an opponent that's kind of watching for that stuff." Or, you know, he was he gave himself zeros at a Caledonian tournament because he misused a Riptide. That happens to everyone, right? But when it happens again with a Hammerhead, and your excuse is. Well, I just I hadn't played that unit in a tournament, and I just took it to this tournament, and it keeps happening that way. So let's stop calling him a cheater, and let's just say that he's an irresponsible player. Is, is what I would say. Yeah. Sloppy. We can put it under sloppy. And <clears throat> in a vacuum, by the way, again, this happens to people. I understand that. I too have made mistakes like that. But when it keeps happening, and you only have excuses for it, and you want to push it off on everybody else, you want to, you want to vaguely kind of accuse your opponent of cheating and the tournament is using as a scapegoat etc etc it shifts the it just becomes this weird muddled thing where now i'm on my podcast talking about how you know everyone wants to know jeff is he a cheater do you think he's a cheater and i'm put in this place where i got to call that out and stuff too which i'll gladly take because i think that's a, a deeper meaning for our podcast is to talk about these issues but at some point we need to address there's a few players at the top echelon of this game and if they don't want to be called cheaters, that's fine. I think there's even a legitimate argument that they're not necessarily uh, like doing predetermined cheating stuff. Like I don't think he took Hammerheads this term and went, nobody will catch me doing this. right? I don't think anyone's saying that. Mm. Um, but if you keep doing it on accident and you're knocking out people and you're hurting people's scores and they're going home with a worse feeling and your, your reasoning is like, oh, I just never practiced that unit,
0: that sucks. Right, that's really shitty. Right, he does. He, he did say in his big interview that um, that was the first time that he used Overwatch with them. Um, but uh, that doesn't cut it for me, though, right? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm I just saying, like that again. That's 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 the response, right? And I think, like with with this with the with the sloppiness, and I, and I wonder if this actually makes the difference between a lot of like top tier players or like people who make it to the end all the time. Is I think every time he made a mistake. He went for a take back seat. So, like, there's a saying in sales, which is make him say yes, right? Or make him say no, right? Like, so, like, he, every time there's a mistake, he makes you stop him, you know, from from going back and and fixing the mistake. So, I'll just bump it up. And he said, No, you're out of 36. Like, that one was, that was the one where the chat went, Ooh. Yeah. And Uh, now I'm a bad guy, right? Yeah. And so, so, that's a shitty feeling. So, that's, I think, probably where these Chinese whispers. Uh, come from is that like even if you have a otherwise friendly game you have been forced to be in this awkward position of saying either no to the guy or letting him do something that maybe costs you the match and
3: And that's exactly
2: yeah
0: you know and to your point
2: uh if i hadn't received the text from nick rose in between our two games which in and of itself is is sheisty right like we should take phones away from the players and i should never get that text but then in a perfect world, nobody catches that because nobody at the table was catching it. The judges weren't catching it. I get blasted off the face of the earth. After the game, we find out he's cheating. So then probably... My dogs are really upset about it. Um, or oh, those are crickets, excuse me. Sorry, guys. Those are crickets again. <laughs> so then what happens, probably, is that they disqualify him and I just get the default win. But then I don't feel like I won at all. That yes. situation's robbed for me. And then when people talk about it, oh, Jeff won the Invitational. Uh kind of. In the finals, a guy was disqualified for cheating. Right? And that becomes what ends up happening. And I think that is... Anyways, that's, that's here or there. The only thing I want to talk about, uh, other than what I just said, is all of this stuff has an explanation for it. I don't think he took the hammerheads there to cheat at all. Um, the card thing about like changing in cards or not, was that cheating? No, that's a Warhammer thing that happens as well. Um, the moving of the the glass on the hammerhead, that's weird as fuck. I actually feel too uncomfortable to even describe whether it like, cause his argument's like, why would I do that? There's no advantage. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. But you picked up a glass four times and moved a hammerhead with it. It looks weird as hell. <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> it looks like a guy is trying to cheat, but then he's like, why would I do that? And everyone's like, yeah, I don't know. There is no reason. The one thing for,
0: for me on that particular one is your heads are both right over the hammerheads. Yeah. Like, you're both leaning over the table right when yeah. he does that. And it's like, okay, if he's cheating, that is, that's that's whole thing stuff.
2: Yeah. And so so, yeah, so that would be me, me. I don't think that's cheating. I don't know. It's weird as hell, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, that is cheating. The the like movement stuff where like you're in range, you're not in range, that's Warhammer stuff, too. That's why I'm kind of annoyed that this thing even happened because... I have those discussions with all my opponents that play um, and and it's asked commonly, they're like, hey, I pre-measured, my intention was to be there, is that okay? It's just, I have the position to be like, no, it's not okay, or if somebody's like, I'm, you know, if they declare it um, and all that kind of stuff and they're and it's, it's like very clear and I look at it I'm like, yeah, sure, but then it turns out they're half inch out, I give it to them, that's fine. But he was a solid two inches out. Anyways, not cheating. The thing that was weird for me and the thing that is the like X-Files moment that does look like Genie is the wound dice. If you watch the game, uh, and this was part of my problem with him, he would roll these mismatched dice all over the table and there'd be like four piles everywhere. And it, it, it's Tao, so he's like, okay, 765 shots here. <laughs> and he'd go grab them all. And then he, he'd be, you know, it's just a big mat of dice. So the whole game, I'm shoving his dice away. I'm handing them back to him. I'm like moving them I'm like, roll over here. That's why the chat's like, God, Jeff was so anal. And I'm over here like, yeah, I know. I'm babysitting right now. Um, And then the one time, and if you watch this moment, he reaches over and picks up that one dice and puts it in his dice pile. Um, Which is A, really weird, because I didn't notice it, because I am in um, I guess if the people here, Sean and Pablo have played me, they know I'm like OCD level anal about wound counter dice and just kind of weird about it. Um, I didn't even notice it which is fucking weird. Uh, but he picks up that one dice and then later picks up the one dice again and puts it back there at three wounds instead of five. Could it just be that he he didn't know? Yeah. Could it just be he forgot how many wounds? Yes, absolutely. But also maybe not, right? And that becomes the weird moment in time where all of a sudden this, when you play fast and loose and you're getting rules wrong and people say you have a reputation... What do you do with that?
3: Yeah, Yeah. I think the thing that puts me off about the whole thing is, like Jeff says, nothing he does is something I haven't done on accident to determine. You pick up wound dice sometimes, or they get knocked over, or you play a rule wrong, you forget you used a stratagem. That kind of shit happens. Everyone does that. All the people on the chat who are like, oh my god, he's a cheater, it's just like, you you fucking asses, every one of you have done all of these things in a single game. The part that does really bother me, and and Jeff called this one out, is he doesn't take accountability. He never says, sorry, I fucked that one up, it's on me. He always has an excuse on why this is someone else's fault. And maybe they are, but his refusal to take responsibility for his own play is what makes me feel bad. Because I have seen people that I know were cheating in the same way, and they behave in that fashion of just, oh, I didn't mean to, or, oh, I didn't realize it worked that way. It's like, you've you've made this, air quote, mistake six times in seven games. At that point, it's not a mistake anymore. You are either playing it wrong because you're too stupid to play it right, or you're cheating on purpose. And I the responsibility is on players to play a good, clean game. And that's the one thing I can say, you know, Jeff is really focused. He can be very kind of compartmentalized when he's playing a game, but he takes responsibility for his shit. And that's why I think he's a good player, because when Jeff fucks up, he owns it.
2: Yeah, and, and thank you for saying that, and that's... And that's, that's my takeaway. So the TLDR, I've, I've been speaking a lot, I apologize. I don't think he's a cheater, necessarily. I don't come away from that game thinking he had this weird agenda to do crazy stuff. But I don't like the way it's being handled, both by the tournament. I don't think they're necessarily making him a scapegoat, but a lifetime ban? No, that's too much. And um, the, the the announcement was like harsh, It should have contacted him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all the things everyone's saying. Alex lovely guy I hope to play him again I hold no ill will whatsoever but do I believe for a second that the world has aligned itself against him and he's this complete victim no and like Sean said hit the nail on the head I feel like the the coolest thing in the world I mean if he's wearing a what would Alex Fennel bracelet do right now <laughs> what the fuck would Alex Fennel do would he be like it's everyone's fault they're getting it wrong it's not me mm-hmm. hell no right he'd be like you know what I played that wrong I'm sorry I should have played a little bit slower. I was really tired. I do apologize. I mean
0: no ill will. I'll try to play a better game next time. But does and Alex Fennel to... Does Alex Fennell maybe get to the top tables of the LVL if he just said "fuck off, man"? Let me. I'm, I'm going to do my movement face. And I've been saying this the whole time. Like, yes, it's wonderful that he just fell immediately on his sword. But I feel like top players argue their side and they don't take accountability for their actions. And it's on. It's on the mm-hmm. Jeff Robinsons of the world to. And there's a great. There's a great uh, article on. Apparently, the racist website, the Brown Magic, <laughs> um, <laughs> by Justin Curtis, pseudo racist, racist. But pardon, yeah, you're yes, um, by Justin Curtis, and uh, the, I just want to quote uh, quote a line on it. It's uh, if a rule is misplayed in your game to your detriment, it's your fault. Yeah, and that I, I'm going to lob that one out there because we don't have refs, right? But there's no one else really there. I mean, hell, you did have refs. You had you, you had the guy running the stream. You had the head judge somewhere nearby. Um, you know, and another guy, you know, like there are people around who should have known all this stuff and were watching it. So like the, that is the unfortunate thing. Is that not an unfortunate reality of 40 K that it's up to you to, to hold your opponent accountable? Yeah.
2: And I, like I said, had it lost, I think I'd feel really crummy and upset, but the things that were mistakes, the big one being the greater good on the hammerheads was caught mid game and was able to be rectified. And I feel yeah. like the game that was played was mostly legit, and I mostly legit won. And I'm, and that that to me is all I'm setting out to do. If we can also take away from that a discussion of like how we should conduct ourselves as top tier players, or even you know, of course, even lower tier players, um, just how you should think about the game and conduct yourself then that's great because this game's picking up in intensity, man. Uh, One of their biggest complaints, and it was on the Caledonian Death Watch podcast, they are talking a lot about this, um, is streamed games are different from friendly games with your buds, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Streamed games, you got got a couple hundred judges all of a sudden um, and they're judging you up and down, and that's a lot of stress on a person. Um, But one of the ways to react to that is know your shit. Right, yeah. go into that tournament and don't be like, you know what? How complicated can a hammerhead be? And then find out <laughs> that it's a little bit more complicated oh. than you thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so, so just um, so uh, we're, we can actually segue this into uh, the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, I agree. I agree with you completely on accountability, Jeff. I think that top players um, need to be accountable for their actions. And to use another top player as an example, uh, Josh Death. Uh, Josh Death told me his own words that he has uh, he has a reputation, a, a bad reputation, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially in the past, it, people have called him cheaters. He's been banned from tournaments, um, and he's every time I've met him in the past year, I've seen him at a tournament. He's always tried to uh, he's been trying to actively work on his reputation. He's, he's called judges to his tables. Um, he's he's actively communicated with his opponents, saying this is I am not cheating. This is what I'm doing. Uh, these are my intent like it's it's ve- it's a very very real shift uh and Josh Jeff I think he's seeing the writing on the wall I I think you're right in that eighth edition um brought a lot more people in brought a lot more scrutiny um to these Twitch video streams um that we're seeing and I think we're only going to see more of this uh we you know so um accountability in top players I think is is important and unfortunately I I think in terms of the Alex Harrison I think the verdict is is that he's He's a, a very confident, proud guy. Uh, also very charismatic. Um, and I think that he's just—he was just sloppy. I don't—I don't think he was a cheater necessarily. Uh, there was one particular damning quote uh, that I want to quote, and that's when he was pre-measuring the the thirty-six inches or whatever it was. Mm. He was two inches away. Uh, Jeff said, "No, I don't think you're—I don't think you're within 36, And then Alex said something like, "Like oh, oh that's okay. If I'm not—if I'm out, I'll just push it." I'll just push I'll just, it in. He said he, nudge, it. He, nudge. He actually he, yeah, said he said nudge. Like, nudge it. He said I'll, <laughs> I'll nudge it. Up. And and that, that's that's not that's I don't think that's cheating. I think that's just like lazy. Like oh, I I was just being lazy. And, and if Alex had just communicated to Jeff a- at all, there, there was no communication between Alex and Jeff. And or Ale- I guess I should I should say there was no communication of intent from Alex to Jeff about any of this stuff. If Alex had just said, yeah. Hey Jeff, um, this dice moved. What was the wound on this custode's jet bike? Like and then Jeff's like, oh, it's a five. You know, instead of just putting the die there, or hey, it, I'm two inches out. Um, but I declared that this was a, within 36. Uh, could you measure it now so we can declare? Yeah, it's just you should always be communicating to your opponent nonstop that, with all of yes. your intent, all of your actions, n- no matter what. That's I think that's what sets apart the best honorable top players uh, versus the players with reputations. Um, so if you if you can take away one from the thing from this, it's not Alex is a cheater. It's not that there are cheaters who are playing the top tables. It's just if you want to be taken seriously in this game and you want to be mentioned on this podcast, on on Twitch, on Facebook, and and get that notoriety because a lot of people want that. Uh, you have to decide what kind of player do you want to be. Do, do you want to right. be uh, Alex Fennel? Do you want to be an Alex Harrison? Do you want to be a Josh Death? Build up a reputation and then work on it. Uh, you know it. And, and I think Jeff is a, a great example of someone who who plays honorably, who plays well, and. And communicates with their opponents and and shows like this is how I I want to win this game. This this is how a true winner competitor looks acts. All right. So yeah. take take away that guys. Uh, don't don't break anyone over the coals or or condemn people. Um, just remember that this is all learning and this is all stuff we can take away from.
2: And I'll, one thing to add to that because actually, Pablo, I think that was beautiful and I, I agree with everything you said. Um, but my my demeanor and my attitude to that game is not an accident and I don't always play like that. There's a few players, and we don't need to throw everybody under the bus and name names, but it's it's in North America as well. There are players that play kind of fast and loose here as well. Mm-hmm. And I call that my my like dick Jeff mode. Like I'll go into that and if you are pretty firm about like like hey Raw right, 40 inches, hand seven done, and I'm like, No, I didn't see that. That was thirty-six. Like if you're pretty sharp, usually the response that you'll get from them is some kind of, and I'm not saying this is Alex, but the response you'll get is some form of like, oh, you you want to play that way? Or like, well, oh, I, I mean, I'm an inch out. Like, I, I thought I told you. And I'm like, no, you didn't. And they'll be like, oh, okay. I didn't know you were going to, you know. That's kind of the attitude it takes. But I fucking guarantee you, you're like 45% to 50% more likely to play a straight up game after that, after you are a little bit uh iron fist a little bit firm about that it's in it, pablo it's really resonating with me when, when you said oh i'll just when he said oh i'll just nudge it forward there's so many players that are uncomfortable to call out that kind of thing where someone yeah. will be like oh I, you don't mind if I, I i'm just gonna move him right because i had to move it for you you don't mind right and then that player will feel uncomfortable because they're in this social situation where they're like i don't think that's right but if i call him out on it then he's going to be really upset um, and then the line starts to get wider too, where they're like, oh shit, sorry, I did shoot with this unit, can I do my psychic phase? Yeah. And then they're like, no, you can't. And they're like, oh really? It's going to be like that? Like That's kind of how it goes? Um, and this happens in Warhammer, by the way, and it doesn't it does. always happen to be a nefarious thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if it happens a lot with you, you may not know this, but you're making your opponents uncomfortable, they're not having a good time. And there's not a lot of people like me that'll just fucking shut it down as hard as they can to try and stop it from happening more. Right. Um, So just be aware of that.
3: Yeah, Val said it earlier but I do kind of agree with the article that uh, was on Nick's blog. It is up to you to stand up for your rights in the game and to ensure that your opponent plays correctly now you owe it to your opponent to play your game correctly yes but if they are playing a shitty game and well my my space marines move uh, this is about six inches and it's nine inches you you need to be the one to say something there and yeah sometimes it makes you seem like a dick but you need to say something there because they're not going to stop doing it until you do those sloppy players are going to keep playing sloppy in their favor until you do something about it, because no one and plays com- sloppy in in the opponent's favor. Everyone oh. is always sloppy in their right. favor. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Con- no no <laughs> one, no one looks at their terminator, moves it three inches, and says that's about five.
0: Yeah. Confrontation um, also doesn't have to be dickish, too, right? Like, I no. think. Um, being kind to people and also calling them out is a a possibility you can do it in a in a a jovial way sometimes you have to be firm and i think that's a skill set that not everyone possesses because it sucks and i think maybe that's that's a really great takeaway from this conversation is like think of when when you are putting someone in that position and i think this has been said by pablo and jeff but like when you're putting someone in that position it's it's a bad gameplay experience even if it's it feels like no big deal and you're just sort of because it's I think it's mostly like oh shit I fucked up, please let me take that back because the stakes are high, and yep. the thing is is that unfortunately you fucked up, you know yep. like and and it's either you who who owns that you know the Alex panel or it's you make the opponent own that which is and you know, one thing that sorry to keep dragging this on
2: but um and this, and this is, is if you watch the video too there it's not so like you know it doesn't have to be scary by the way so there were give and take between the two of us of like oh i forgot to draw my card do you mind if i do that sure go ahead like that does happen and that does exist it's it's explicitly the kind of fast and loose stuff that does kind of make your opponent uncomfortable that you have to be wary of and that is a bit of a gray area and people are like well if it's not defined then i don't know what to do and it's like yeah play some warhammer and you will and that's why the tony Grapando thing was kind of weird right because alex had just declared or he had just dropped guys that had zero impact which technically happens at the end and is against the rules so it's completely fine for the opponent to be like no you can't go back from that but generally speaking at that level they'd be like oh yeah of course doesn't have any impact go for it um and and that's going to be weird because some people are like well if you can't clearly define it for me then i'm uncomfortable it's like okay but when you start playing some games you kind of figure it out um anyways just had to say that
3: so Oh, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> oh, I was I was going to say, the thing that has worked for me in my experience is you do give people some mulligans. Is if they say, oh, sorry, I meant to move that unit, or oops, I forgot my psychic phase, can I go back? Give whoever you play a couple of mulligans, because like like we said earlier, everyone fucks these things up. It happens. But give them a warning at some point. If, if it's starting to get on your nerves, it's yeah. like, oh, I forgot my psychic phase again this turn, do you mind if I go back? And you say... All right, I'll give you this one, but this is your last one. You know, after this, you have right. screwed this up, and most people will say, "Okay, you're right. You know, I've been ki- I've been kind of sloppy. I shouldn't have done this yeah. that way." But if you say that and sort of like say, you know, "Okay, this is this is it. We're going to call it here because you have made mistakes and you need to start owning them." Most people will be fine with that. That generally yep. works out okay. And honestly, if you are trying to be a good player, learning to own your mistakes will teach you a lot more than repeatedly asking for a take back every single time because you're just you're playing bad at that point you need to learn to play better and you won't learn that until you accept your mistakes yep right so uh <laughs> i
1: think i think we're segueing into the the second part of the episode right here so i'm going to stop everyone real quick um because there's still a lot more that needs to be said about this subject uh just yeah. to talk to you guys really quick about our sponsor, Broken Egg Games. Broken Egg Games. If you want to play a nice, clean game, Broken Egg Games sells templates, wound counters, and more for your competitive gaming needs. Click on the link at FrontlineGaming.org. It helps out the podcast and also helps you get better at 40k. Alright, so uh, uh, instead of talking about the Midwest Midwest Conquest GT, I, I kind of I want to... We've built a lot of steam and momentum here, so I want to keep that going. Um, I wanted to segue into talking about things that players can do to, to prevent loose play, cheaty play, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, and, and play more honorable games. Right. Um, and I think the first place we need to look at is ourselves, um, in that, in the sense that uh, I feel like a lot of 40k players tend to be, uh, lazy, apathetic. Um, you know, don't take a lot of initiative. As you guys said, uh, players do tend to not look toward their own happiness. Um, and to use a quick analogy in my life, um, whenever we go, like my wife and I go through a drive through and they'll mess up my wife's order, like we'll be 10 inches away from the window <laughs> and she'll be like, okay, I'm done. That's it. Uh, you know, no cheese on my burger. Like they forgot it and the, the world ends, right? Like, oh, And i and like, okay, we can just back up 10 inches and, and I'll, ask to, to I'll ask them to get you a new burger or ask them to get you a straw. And she'll always say, like, like no, we're already gone, it's, it, as if it was written in stone, right? And I always tell her, like, you know, be assertive. You, you are in charge of your own happiness. I, I will gladly drive you the 10 inches back um, and ask them to redo you your order. There's no conflict. Uh, it's not a big deal. Um, but as I have learned, uh, there's a little bit of um, there's a lot more to this than just simply making yourself happy. There's social anxiety. Uh, there's the fear sure. of conflict, etc. Et so I understand that um, that everyone's different, that everyone has to handle these issues their own way. Um, so if you look at uh, specifically the I'm gonna use the Alex-Jeff game as an example for this, um, if, if you're uncomfortable with arguing with Alex about it, his hammerhead being out of 36 in range, I, I understand completely. Um, there's another way you could have handled that. Uh, you could have removed the ruins. D- don't be afraid to just to just move things around to get the perfect measurement, right? People in X-Wing do that all the time. There's there's uh, funny videos of people with, like, five different arms holding onto ships so that they don't move, just so that uh, one person can move a ship, like, two inches and get, like, the, the correct, you know, angle that they need, the correct distance that they need. Uh, it, it happens all the time in X-Wing. I, I actually want to see it more in 40k. Like, use dice to mark where your guys could, would be, And then that way you get clear, defined measurements and ranges from one model to another. Like you can lift the terrain up, uh, especially at the London GT where the train's like two ounces, right? You can just (laughs) – the train's moving around everywhere. You might as well just take it away from the board and get that perfect measurement. Um, So that's something that I think that Jeff or Alex could have probably done is is they could have taken away all the cardboard terrain um, and then moved some models around and then gotten that perfect, precise, this is 36 inches because – there was one point in the video when I thought maybe it was within 36 inches, but the angle that you guys took the ruler to measure it, what was awful was like over a piece of terrain off to the side, angled away, you know, you know like through over around Jeff's nose. Like it was just not, it wasn't a good angle. And I was like, guys, just get a better angle and we'll see, we'll see if it's 36 inches or not. Like the, you know, anyways, that, that's just my, my two cents. I've been, I've been wanting to say it for a while. Um, just to prevent cheating. I think the best way is just to, just don't be lazy. Uh, be proactive yeah. in your playing. That, that's pretty much it. It's the, the big skill.
2: I like what you said earlier. I mean, if you're verbally declaring everything you do for the most part, mm-hmm. it's a good check for yourself, but it also means your opponent has a chance to be like, wait, wait what did you just say? And you're like, <laughs> uh, I'm in range of that. And they're like, can you measure for me? And then mm-hmm. you check and you're like, oh, I'm not in range. And then, and then you do if you have to move it, right? Yeah. Um, that's how I play. And, and some people have really rubbed in the wrong way, but... I kind of firmly stand by it because I'd rather... Because I, I say things wrong all the time, too. Where I'm like, I'm intercepting with this. And they're like, I don't think you can. And I'm like, I thought I could. Let's check. And then, and then you know, you find out if you can or can't. Whereas yeah. if you just do it, they're like, what are you doing? And it's harder to catch.
3: Yeah, yeah you, when, um, when you announce imagine. and talk that does... That gives people a chance, as Jeff said, to agree or disagree with you. And, I mean, we kind of said it before, but don't be afraid to be wrong. And don't be afraid to accept the consequences if it's wrong. Most of the time being out with that one gun or whatever is not going to lose you the game. And if your opponent sees that you're willing to suck up the consequences when you're wrong they're probably not going to play as loosey-goosey as they would have otherwise because they know that you've shown that you're willing to accept the things not being what you want them to, basically. Yeah.
0: yeah, And the... uh... The important thing too with intent is that unless you say it, no one can know what it is. I mean, we spent all seventh yeah. edition looking up, looking up at the mountain, hoping <laughs> for some sort of message, never got one. And so all you can do, all you can work from there is is what the actual actions are. Cheating is doing something wrong to give you a competitive advantage in the game on purpose. So when people throw around the cheat word it's because they don't know what the intention was uh, in the first place. So if you're if so like on Caledonian uprising um, that, you know they were they're kind of going off but like, who's gonna, who's ever going to want to play on a stream? You know like <laughs> yeah you know, the, the, there's this panic because like everyone's being held to this high standard. Well, if you're on a stream, especially on a stream game, saying out loud a makes the game way more entertaining for people because they know what's going on. Uh, but mm-hmm. B, it also is cover your ass protection because you're on the record saying, this is what I meant to do. Um, so like, yeah, saying out loud, it allows your, your opponents to like, like you guys have been saying, like fact check you as you go, participate in what you're doing so they can ask you questions as you're doing it. It's like, it's like to me, a really core basic principle on how to be a good opponent. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think everyone should play uh, on a Twitch stream at one point in their 40K careers with with an audience. Um personally I, I think it's real character building stuff um just just uh psychologically knowing that people are watching you um you know, people are just in general tend to uh, this is in general of course but um, people do in general tend to not cheat when they know that they're being watched right um with like a, the haunted chair experiment if you've ever heard of that um mm-hmm. so any anyway, anyways if you guys ever get a chance to be on the twitch stream it's not it's not some boogeyman you know, the internet's not out to get you. It's probably just like two dudes scratching their noses, you know, painting and half listening to your video. That's like 99% of Twitch streams right now uh, for 40K anyways. Um, so so just keep that in mind. And if you, if you ever get the opportunity to be on a Twitch stream and play in the Twitch stream game, um, just do it. It's it's not, it, it's really not that bad. Agreed. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Jeff, I know, I know that, um, being a professional gamer, you, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of referee, a lot of the cheating stuff, the admin stuff, isn't really, isn't really, uh, something you deal with. Uh, but when you play 40k, you, you have to take up a lot of that. You have to kind of take up that mantra as being referee, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, do you, do you ever feel like, how did you learn to, to always speak your mind and just like, uh. I know it comes naturally to you, but like how how do you do that? Like how do you get that Jeff confidence?
2: You know, I'll tell you, it's it's funny because um, I've always been a very confidence kind of leader oriented person, but in Warhammer, I would say it took a different um, skin almost because I think I don't know if it's the same for everybody else, but when I first came into competitive Warhammer, I really respect and respected. A lot of the great minds of the game, the really good players, I respect the game a lot. There's so much rules. You know, in StarCraft, the limiting factor is that there's more actions than the human hands can perform, and the faster you are and the better your muscle memory, you can see that reflected in your performance. For me in Warhammer, the limiting factor is the more repetitions you can put in, the more practice with your list, and the amount of rules you can actually soak in is impossible um, to completely master, right? Like, you could play Warhammer all day, study the books the other half of the day, and per- I don't know. I-, I say that, but nobody can, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, if you did, you still probably couldn't know all the rules perfectly. It's just it's just that diverse. It's just that crazy. And then when you do know all those rules, there's more coming out the next weekend. <laughs> and then there's an FAQ mm-hmm. to change the stuff that you did know. And then there's a clarification on this, and then there's this tournament plays this role differently, etc., cetera, et cetera. So I really respect and admire the game for that. Um, But I was intimidated. So in my early kind of, you know, I've only been playing competitive Warhammer for I think it's been eight years or so. Um, In the first couple of years, I had my I had to cut my teeth on those games where a guy did. Perhaps not maliciously, but take advantage of me where they were just kind of like, no, no, this is the rule. And I'd be like, well, you know better than me. Sure. And later find out that's absolutely not the case. But the tournament's done. And this is like even before ITC, so what are you going to do? You know, there's just nothing to be done. Or at the game, um, the guy is just playing really fast and loose. And I didn't have the confidence to kind of be like, you need to reroll that. I just kind of be like, hey, uh, I can't see it. And they're like, well, I, it was a six, I promise you. And they're like, to say otherwise is to look a man in the eye and be like, you're lying to me right now, right? Um, so I was uncomfortable. So after enough games, and I got to give credit where credit's due, some pretty damn good, um, just like, coaching by reese he just kind of you know i would go back to them and tell them these stories reese and frankie they're, they're kind of my my dojo masters and they just said hey you need to you just can't you have to be confident you have to tell them please roll that where i can see it or um i need you to re-roll that because i didn't see you roll that dice it's going to be uncomfortable but ultimately if you come away from that table feeling like you were cheated then why are you even here no one's making money off this and now people are by the way it's kind of funny um the game's elevating but at the time it's, it's it's a hobby it's something we do for fun and some people take that a little too far and if you let them run over you you're going to have a tough time so to answer your question the, the really unfortunate answer is like just get the games and get the experience but then if i could be the reese and frankie to everyone listening uh i would just say represent yourself you've heard us say it before it is uncomfortable it can be There is that social contract that some people aren't very comfortable with where it's like you don't want to take it too far. So if a guy like rolls something behind a table, don't be like, re-roll it, I'll kill your face! Like you can't, you know, you don't (laughs) say that. But you say, hey, I I am uncomfortable with you rolling stuff that I can't see. I need you to show that to me. Nine times out of ten, your opponent says, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Let me re-roll it. Or they'll lift the terrain and be like, there's the dice. I'm really sorry about that. You'll get the one guy. You'll get the one guy. He'll look at you and be like, are you calling me a liar you know that one guy sucks but um what sucks even worse is just letting people steamroll you
1: yeah Yeah,
3: i'm oh go ahead Bobo.
1: no no you go ahead sean i was just about to agree with him
3: yeah i i think jeff is 100 percent right there you need to be you need to be willing to call people out and part of that confidence is knowing your own rules and knowing the other guy's rules Uh, Yeah, I'm certain everyone who listens to the podcast, as well as our other hosts here have noticed I'm a bit of a pedant when it comes to Warhammer. But (laughs) the upside of that is I can tell people I don't think that's what that rule does. And I can say it with confidence, not because I am innately a confident person, but because I read the Codex last night and I remembered that, though, it says you can't do that in the rule. And sometimes I'm wrong, but... I can at least say, can you please look that up for me? And usually saying, can you look that rule up for me? Can you show me where it says that? Is going to go over way better than calling people a liar. You don't need to start with calling people a liar. You just have to say, I don't remember if that rule works that way. Could you please show me the text of the rule? Because a lot of people don't know their own rules, and it's on you to call them out when they're wrong. You have to know the rules of everyone else's book in addition to your own. It's unfortunate but true. Yeah, and
0: yeah, in, in, oh, about- in seventh edition, uh, in seventh edition, I remember uh, just flat out being like, "You're cheating!" When someone had warp spiders on the table, and I like made them show me <laughs> yeah what those things did because I couldn't believe that that was actually real. And yeah, uh, and I was wrong, uh, and I was jokingly saying that he was cheating, but clearly they were cheating uh and uh turned out he was totally right and it was just a funny moment that that passed over there and like again being a, a pedant uh or pedantic about every single thing you know it swings to the opposite extreme you gotta have some trust but when something yeah. sounds wrong even when you know warp spiders are good and everyone plays them if it sounds wrong like you gotta you gotta stand up for
3: yourself You said, yeah and you're not gonna learn to th- play the rule right or know what the rule does unless you actually <laughs> like check it out and see it. So if if a rule sounds wrong or if you think it works a different way, ask them to show it to you and hopefully you'll know it right next time. Because that's all you can do. You know, you're always playing for next time in a competitive game. Because it's not really that important yeah. whether you win this game, but it is really important whether you play it right and win 10 games down the line, 30 games down the line, 100 games down the line. So I, I think it's really
2: important to speak out to one real quick thing, because one of the things that everyone always mentions when we're on this kind of subject is like, oh yeah, that's why I don't go to tournaments. I'm really terrified of someone. Thank you, me. Jeff. Yes. yeah. Please, please hear us when, when we say this. It does happen. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it doesn't, but 95% of it is not malicious. It just happens because there's so many rules and you're both playing in a tournament. You want to win. There's just something on the line. There's pride, all that kind of stuff. But exactly like Sean just said, exactly like everyone's saying, if you're pretty lovely about it, if you're pretty just having an an ongoing back and forth, you're going to have an enjoyable time. Most tournament rooms you sit in, everyone's having a good time. Maybe there is that one or two guys where it's like, they're a little bit rough or they're just straight up kind of a dick. Yeah, okay, that sucks, man. But please, Warhammer has been like a life-changing good thing for me and tournaments are what I just absolutely love. I just die inside a little bit every time because this whole Alex thing too a lot of the comments were like yeah there it is that's why I don't go to tournaments and I'm like well hey uh, you know I, I just I want to grab and be like please don't like yeah. it, it's just give it a chance do your best read your rules know your rules it's gonna happen someone's gonna be like I think SMS is strength 30 damage 9 and you're like I don't know uh just fire away and they're like i think it's 60 shots and they hit everything individually And you're like yeah that sounds about right and you're gonna find out later that that's not the case and that's gonna suck um but there's also cool stories where the opponent like i've had guys do that to me and then they come up and they're like i'm really sorry i'd like to give you the win um or or they're just like hey can i buy you a beer i feel terrible and then you kind of become friends with them, right that's warhammer it's this nice Mm -hmm. back and forth but again, I play more games than almost anyone I know. And I got to tell you, it does happen somewhat frequently. But even in that, it's the minority of the games. You just, you play mostly great games. So please, people that are listening are like, I'm never going to a tournament.
0: Don't take this that way.
3: Yeah. I most... um, Go ahead. Go ahead, I, Bob.
0: I, I, I ran an a, a, a RTT at our local gaming club over the weekend. So it was like, oh, 14 people. And um, and it's, it's you know, a more... It's, they like to think of themselves more narrative driven and they all, you know, play to win in their own way. But whatever, we're having a beer afterwards. And I said, so guys, like, what is it that, you know, turns you off the most about, you know, going out to a competitive tournament playing? Is it, because I've always assumed it was an aesthetics thing, like the armies yeah. look like stupid and the paint jobs are bad or whatever. And they said, and it broke my heart. They said, the people. Yeah. You know, they said, I don't want to play an asshole. And... Yeah. You know, I, I, that, that, and so that's why I shout out yes when you brought up your point because, like, I, I tell you, I've had hundreds, of, probably close to a hundred tournament games at this point, and I've had two guys who I wouldn't want to talk to again. You know, like I mean, sure, there's lots of guys who I probably wouldn't talk to again, but like, you know, like it, it, it's, it's, it's not nearly as prevalent as a conversation of this length might suggest it is, and it's also not as awful. You know, like. <laughs> You know, there are life affirming moments standing up for yourself too, right? Like yes. there's yeah. there's all sorts of good things that can be gained from this. And also life affirming moments in realizing that people make honest mistakes and that they will own up to them too. So like there's all sorts of things that come from these experiences that you get to do in a in a game that apply to life. And you rob yourself of that, just like Jeff was saying, if if, if you if you step out because you're afraid of all the bad people, there are so many good yeah. people out there. So, yeah, I echo your sentiments.
1: So. And here's the other thing, too, is um, I'm glad you brought up the two in hundreds of games because I've had, like, friends. Um, uh, I'm going to use Scott Reed and John Feurhelm. Uh, Jeff knows both of these guys. Both oh, yeah. wonderful, great, old, you know, great guys. They played just Sigmar. Uh, the very first time they played at each other at a broadside bash, I, I remember John Feurhelm came up to me and he was like, I asked him how his game was, and he was like, oh, I, I played a gentleman who, who uh, you know, he was one of those players you know, he moved his tree around or, or some something, right? This is a while ago. When I talked to Scott and Scott was talking about uh, kind of them having a little bit of, you know, they were like rough around the edges. It wasn't a very great tournament game. And I found out they played each other. Like these are these are two nice guys who, yeah. who you would never consider once, you know, being cheaters or, or whack or cheesy. Um, and, and you have to understand every game you go to at a tournament, you're establishing a relationship with your, your uh, opponent. Uh, you know, you're know you not taking them out to dinner. It doesn't to be crazy. It can be as intimate or not as you want. However, you are establishing a relationship with them, a social relationship, however brief. Uh, and like in real life, not everyone is going to get along with everyone. It's just, it's just a fact. So I, I see this at every tournament I go to. I, I talk to everyone about their match, and I always get like two dudes who, who I know are really good friends and they played each other and they talk about their opponent like their opponents are cheating whack cheesy players and it's like dude like i just i had just had drinks with both of you like not even an hour ago like in vegas at the same bar and yeah. you were both were you both were super chill and you both were talking about each other you know cheating and it's like you both couldn't be cheating cuz i played both of you you're not cheaters you, you, you know it's it's just the I, I firmly believe that the cheating player the 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 boogeyman the tournament player that everyone talks about I, I believe that they are truly more of a myth than re- yeah, reality. Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I just I just I wish people wouldn't use the two or one, you know, out of hundreds of games that they've played as bad examples and as examples for the rest of a game period. Like it's just right. we we do that all the time. You just look at feedback on eBay. Right, people look at the negative feedback. No one ever looks at the thousands and thousands of positive feedback. I'm getting a little personal here because at someone, <laughs> I had a client or a customer say like, "Oh, looking at your feedback, I'm a little concerned about your shipping times." I'm like, "Dude, it was one one negative feedback out of thousands of positive feedback. I have like 99.4 percent positive feedback on eBay. And you're gonna focus on this one negative review of a guy who who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways." we we do I, I understand that as a human society we we do focus on negative things just look at the news just look at the online community but but if you could be if you could prove me right that i think 40k players are are better than the average human being in general I, i've always yeah. i always felt that if you could prove me right and rise above it guys that would be great that would be awesome
2: so I, while you're saying that by the way i agree with everything you said that the, the If I had to give an answer for like, what do you do to to go to terms feel comfortable? Remember that it's a social situation, but I always use the verbal contract reference. Like if you're really worried, it's your first tournament. You're a narrative guy attending Val's tournament. And you're like, I just don't want to play a dick. Go to that table and say, hey, this is one of my first tournaments. I usually just play for fun. I'd like to have a nice game. Your opponent, only in an anime. Like, their, their face becomes a giant face-wide grin, and they're like, well, we'll see about that. It's nine <laughs> times out of ten, them going, absolutely, man, this will be fun. And then you will. And if you get that one guy out of a hundred, like Val was talking about, and you're really just having a bad time, you are not stuck in that situation. Do not. If you want to stand up for yourself, that's fine. Call a judge. Ask them politely to change the way they're playing. That's Okay. But if you're like, I'd rather not. That makes me uncomfortable. Just throw the game. Just say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go do something else, and then play the next round. And that's not a popular answer. That sucks. It's not fun. But it, we're talking about one in a hundred here. If that, right? So that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is you're probably gonna find a person that just wants to play a great game with you too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, the best if 40K case scenario players... is you make you make actual friends like yes you make actual (laughs) friends like i can i have interacted with every single one of my uh, lvo 2016 opponents like subsequent like since then like i've had mm -hmm. contact with them like that's messed up like i don't know that's the best case scenario you actually broaden the group of people play with it's not just the 10 dudes who show up to the basement where you play you know like it's anyway that's why i I, I love (laughs) gt's and and the the sad
1: the sad thing is, is is i feel like we're preaching to the choir honestly yeah. I, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably already know this um, so listeners if, if you guys are listening to this and you're, you're willing to to uh, take a stand for competitive 40k players everywhere um, just you know if you the next time you hear a guy online say something like oh this is why I don't go to tournaments and tournament players are, are evil the tournament players are the devil um, yeah. you know don't don't argue with them they, they are they are already they're already uh, volatile. Um, but just you know, just calmly tell them that if if um, 40k tournaments, if people were to take that mentality about life, uh, 40k players would would not drive anywhere. They would sit in their little cubbies in their basements and paint miniatures all day long because you interact with with losers and and jerks everywhere you go. That is life. But it's always the minority, no matter what. Unless you have a really shitty life, and like what if you, have, to if, say you know.
0: Uh, shitty life. I was just gonna say that. I think the two guys though are also responsible for ninety five percent of Facebook discourse. So that also might be one <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Oh, all right. Does anyone have anything else to say on the subject? Any tips, stories?
2: <laughs> no, I think, I, I think we covered it. All right, right
1: yeah. on. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the uh, Midwest Conquest GT. Um, let's talk about a tournament. Uh, tournament results. Before before we get into it, the Midwest Conquest GT, um, these guys are great. Uh, the Midwest Tournament Organizers Group, uh, they they have really done a great job promoting and and fostering competitive forty k, not only in the Midwest scene, um, but all over the U S. Uh, so I just I want to give them a shout out. This is their flagship event. The Midwest Conquest GT is on the level of the Renegade Open, the Iron Halo. Um, they're very very close to hitting to getting to the next level. Uh, they are actually already pretty much right at the next level they're they they're gonna be a con they're, they're gonna be great so go to the Midwest conquest GT um, it's not a GT it's actually a major uh, but these guys have done a lot for the 40k hobby and the 40k tournament scene um, and if you ever get the chance to go go support them moving on uh, I'm only going to talk about the top eight and uh, I'm gonna list the just the factions not the not the not the um lists but just the factions of the players who made the top 8. These are all players who went 5-1 and one or better out of uh, over 60, out of a field of almost 80. Um, number 1, Richard Window, Tau. Number 2, Thousand Sons, Trent Northington. 3, Sam Henley, Necrons. 4, Ryan Verbeck, Tyranids. 5, Ben Sherwin, Dark Eldar. 6, Scott Bleagan Tyranids. 7, Mike Smith, Chaos Demons. 8, Jim Orr, Blood Angels. That's really diverse. And, and not a yeah. single, uh, I guess, Ben Sherwin, he probably, uh, just knowing him, he probably ran Eldar in his Dark Eldar list. But maybe not. Yeah. Give, maybe, he had give a benefit.
3: small spattering of them, as I recall, but it was not a lot. That's It was like diverse. a Supreme Command detachment or something. Yeah, and yeah. even more so, if you look at the top, like, 20 or so, you get, like, seven more factions in there. Uh, it is... Very cool. This is something that I'm really liking about 8th edition, especially post this most recent fact. You are seeing a lot of diversity in lists, and even the, you know, air quotes underpowered factions are still making appearances. Uh, Adeptus Mechanicus were in the top 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there was an Orc list in the top 20, even. Mm -hmm. Uh, there There was a lot of different armies that people were not really expecting i think and i think that's great for the game
1: yeah absolutely and this this was these players are stacked like you've got matt root who broke the top 10 uh, matt mm-hmm. obviously a writer for brown magic uh you had ben sherwin sam henley trent northington uh, these are all guys who who win fact best of faction in their itc uh rankings or are in the top three consistently for years um so the mid you know this is a great group of guys and what that tells me is that a lot of top players are are uh, really diversifying and taking the things that they want to take, right? Um, which is great that that's what we want. We want the top players to bring the best stuff that they want, the the cool flavorful stuff that they want, and do well with it and win off of player skill,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? So that's really cool.
3: I would also like to just throw in as a uh, note of personal amusement here that uh, Alexander Kuhn, who I know is a very good player, uh, brought a list to this that is model for model for point identical to a list I ran two weeks ago. I don't think he did it on purpose. I think we just both basically discovered the same list that you pretty much have to run with those models because you don't have a lot of wiggle room, but it does very much amuse me that it is down to the very upgrade identical to what I was running.
1: (laughs) He he copy-pasted it. That's what a netlist
2: is.
3: Clearly.
1: And you're you're a filthy netlister, Sean, because he... I just
2: want to submit, Sean's got a podcast to say this on, but how do we not know that it's Sean?
3: Ah, oh, damn it! You me. How do we not know? If it Sean. weren't for you kids and your dog, <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: And if you guys want to, I'm I'm not going to go over all the lists in detail. But if you guys want to go over the lists, go to Best Coast Pairings, download that player app, sign up, subscribe, help them out.
2: Yeah, they, it's they, providing super worth Great it. service.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's a, it's a good time to be a 40k player right now. Uh, the London GT top the i guess i guess both the top 10 and the undefeated players were all pretty diverse um the top yeah. 10 were less so diverse but if i recall but not by much
3: um not too bad yeah like we no. are seeing a lot of lists uh brown magic which we brought up a bunch of times cuz nick is doing pretty good work over there has a breakdown of the the top 10 percent lists and it's there's just there's a ton of interesting stuff there that i absolutely recommend you go take a look at
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and if you guys have any questions about lists, um, you guys can always email me. You guys can go to the Brown Magic, uh, and go to Best Ghost Pairings. There's there's tons of tons of resources you guys can go to. Um, if you have any questions about the resources, email me frontlinegamingpdpb at gmail I'll direct you to the right areas. Um, so let's let's talk about this in a little bit more in detail. Uh, looking at Richard Window. Oh, I guess Best Ghost Pairings decided not to give me the the matchwork the history here um g g g tau tau one again right so so tau are really good uh, i'm going to pull up the list do you, any of you guys already have the list of um, unfortunately yeah, my
3: i've been app looking crashed. at it recently it is so it's a fairly standard tau list for what you're seeing a lot of these days although very different from what a lot of the europeans seem to be running from what i looked over in the the london gt stuff um, He's running, you know, a couple Cold Star Commanders, some Fireblades, Dark Strider, a bunch of strike teams with Pulse Rifles, because Tau Troop and HQs are both fantastic. Uh, and then he runs a couple of Riptides with the Burst Cannons, and a couple units of Stealth Suits. Um, and I think if you're looking... At, yeah, if you're looking to the Tau archetype, this is it. Um, some players are going to lean towards the Hammerheads over the Riptides... Uh, it's arguable exactly which you want. I personally lean towards the Hammerheads, because they shore up the game against Eldar. Um, not to criticize, uh, his win here or anything, but he didn't get matched up against any Eldar, and I think it would have been a rough game for him if he was facing down on a lie talk list with minus two or minus three to hit. Uh, but it's not to say he couldn't have won. Um, he obviously beat out some very talented opponents here, so... It, there's this is a lot of what you're going to see with Tau is these these handful of units that are really doing a lot of the lifting in the army.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's what's the deal with Riptides? So, so I've actually haven't had yeah. the chance to play against Riptides yet, but they've they've obviously they've come into a bit of a resurgence uh, since the Tau Codex came out. But what's I remember they were terrible in Index
2: Tau.
3: Oh, um, they were atrocious.
2: They're hard to kill. So it's tough seven two up save they can have a three plus invul so that's just as a as a defensive standpoint that's very good they're mobile mm-hmm. they have fly very strong that yep. way fourteen wounds to begin with yep the one mortal for um, Nova charging not a super big deal at all really mm-hmm. I do um, it
3: pretty much every turn it's just like it's a trivial damage
2: uh and then their damage output is like for me it's impressive. But it's almost secondary to that. They they add mobility to Tau, they add durability, mm-hmm. and they garner a lot of attention. So people are like, holy fuck, it's a reptile, i got to shoot the shit out of that. And then it's like, okay, um, if you catch it before it it has a 3++, plus, it's a little bit more killable. But even then, uh, there's ways to make it pretty defensible that way as well. Yeah, soaking wounds um, with
3: drones is a very common thing, and it makes them very difficult to get rid of. Because it means you have to kill all those drones first, if you can see them.
2: Yep. Yeah. But they're just having the, the standard loadout that most people are doing is just the, the 18 shots with Nova Charge. Yeah. And then the SMS, and it just like runs you 283 or something like it's that. It's 280 awesome.
3: on the nose, actually. Yeah. It, 283 shot. I, I told you earlier punch. as a pedant. I wasn't lying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. But it's, it's very good. It, it's 18 Strength 6 AP2 2, Damage 2 shots that just chews most things to pieces. Uh, Even tough stuff like Custody's Jet Bikes, it just, like, it mows through them so quickly. Uh, And the other half of that is, you know, Riptides have that kind of shitty BS4-up, but that means they benefit so much from any kind of accuracy buff. If you can get those five marker light hits on something, or if you trigger your Tau Commander to give full rerolls to that Riptide, they will just devastate things.
2: Agreed. All right. Um...
1: <clears throat> so, uh, second place, Trent Northington. Uh, he, he uh, Trent Northington, if you guys have never heard of him, I've mentioned him a couple times, he is the, the best drunk player, 40k player, I've ever seen.
2: <laughs> Incorrect. McDonavati, <laughs> next question. Ooh, you're right.
1: Touche. <laughs> he Touché, basically Jeff.
2: won every Adepticon blackout drunk. Yeah, you're say right. That
1: to Trent, Trent is the best uh, Caucasian drunk 40k player. I've ever. <laughs> uh, but but all, all joking aside, um, Trent um, dominated... Space Marines, the top of the Space Marines that last year, uh, with just fire Raptors when eighth edition started and he kept playing them even though, even after GW nerfed them. Um, I, I think he was in a drunken stupor the whole time. So I think he just forgot that they were bad or something. <laughs> but it, it, anyways, he, he decided to switch to thousand suns. And, and the reason why I wanted to talk about his list is he brought Magnus back. It's Magnus, the yep. red, uh, a model that you don't see very often, um, anymore in the top tables. Um, and he also brought Zanglers, a lot, a lot of them, uh, so, are there any chaos aficionados in here? Because um, I know Zangors are good, I know they put in a lot of shots, um, but honestly, if you look at a list like Trent Northington's, it doesn't scream OP, <sighs> he's not, he's not, he's only got three Demon Princes, for example, not seven. Um, yeah, but they're all
2: Zinch, right? <clears throat> yes,
3: three <clears throat> Zinch Demon 24 Princes. 24-inch
2: Smite, yep. and they don't suffer the minus one.
3: That's the big one, uh, he's, with Magnus and three Princes plus the the Zangor, I think he has a shaw. yeah, is he has a couple Shamans in the list. Um, yes. He can put out like unnerfed smites constantly. You know, you're seeing four, yep. five, six, seven smites a turn out of his list. Um and you know at
2: least one of which is d6 at the worst. Yeah, at the very worst.
3: worst. Um it people have already seemed to forgotten just how powerful smite is when you're casting it full. Um but he basically he can just hide all his guys behind a whole bunch of T4, five up invuln, cultist idiots uh, all those zangors and then throw out smites and you got to chew through a lot of stuff to get to his demon princes or magnus and neither of those are really all that hard to get easy to get rid of like magnus when he's fully buffed is kind of a monster
2: yep literally uh, you know, yeah uh, this is a thing by the way this was at this was uh at london it's here Moving forward, it's going to do really, really well into any and all of my Imperium friends. Put the Colexus back in your list if you're facing unmitigated 24 inch smite with a couple units of buffer in between. And then once you peel back the buffer, there's still Magnus with a 3 up inbull swinging 8 times for what is it, strength 16 or some stupid shit? Like, yeah. The guy who wrote the number just like fell on his face. It was like, "Well, you know what? We're keeping it." <laughs> and it just like that became what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna get destroyed. You and the you just have to smite as a thing again. And it's because of the Thousand Sons of
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Is that just part of a demon Prince ability? They just ignore the smite
1: penalty?
3: No. no. Uh, the, the beta FAQ specifies that Grey Knights and any model with the Brotherhood, or sorry, I should say Brotherhood of Sorcerers or Brotherhood of Psychers rule, which is all Grey Knights and all Thousand Sun Psychers, do not suffer the cumulative penalty for smite.
1: Oh, that's an oversight. Yeah, I'm not sure it's well, an no, oversight. It's I think it's
3: intentional.
2: Okay. Well, it's proof that if you whine hard enough, anything can happen. Yeah. When they, nerfed, when they nerfed Smite, the poor Grey Knight players, uh, and a little bit less so the 1,000 Sun players, were like, well, what's the point in our armies? Yeah. <laughs> Gilliman's GW still writing Earth. his
1: dissertation. <laughs> why he got nerfed. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: he's going to get another point hike, probably, right? Yeah, he'll probably you know, go to, to 1,000, just to make it pretty clear. I <laughs> th- yeah. feel
3: like there's just a glitch in their word processor somewhere that adds 15 points to Gilliman's cost every single time, no matter what. Like, a year oh, and a yeah. half from now, he's gonna be, you know, 495 points, and the fall FAQ will come out, and it's like, add 25 points to Goleman's cost. It's like, what? What? <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> Alright, um, the, but, uh, uh, joking aside, um, the, you're, that sounds really nasty, um, it's I, I, rough I don't, stuff. I mean, yeah, that's rough. Uh, how do you deal with something like that, Jeff? All The smites, I guess, Colexus Assassin. Yeah, never mind.
2: <clears throat> and it, um, I just played a game today against my buddy. I have two Clexus on my list now just because in ITC, I think scoring is really important. And if they don't have psychers, Colexus are just a chore to deal with, anyways, because they could just yeah. sit on objective. Um, but if you have that, all it does is minus two. And then the incredible part is it cannot be affected by any psychic power, targeted or affected. It literally says so. If, if it's the closest model, they just can't smite. It mm-hmm. just cannot do it.
3: Yeah, it's... Right. The Kalexis is the solution to any kind of psychic smite thing, because a lot of them don't... Like like Jeff said in his turn of report earlier, a lot of them just don't have any shooting. Uh, I don't think that this Thousand Sons list has a single model with a shooting and attack in it.
0: Mm-hmm. I uh-huh. guess the
3: cultists do. You know, you're hoping for sixes and then fives with those pistols. Good luck. Uh, yeah. but you know the rest of it is is just sort of like sitting there and like oh shit you know you turn off smite well i guess there goes my army
1: right on all right so let's let's turn to sam henley's list uh, a list with a lot of shooting uh wow. not, not a lot but but really good shooting uh mm-hmm. is necrons um before we I talk about the list guys is this the future of the necron faction because he's got two testaract vaults three doomsday arcs three tesla mortals and two cryptex and he's done um, is that it? Because I feel like that's kind of what I've been seeing the Necron list trend to, is Tesseract Vaults and Doomsday Arcs. Uh, actually, I, my, my poor buddy Hunter, um, he played a, a Doomsday Arc list uh, against a uh, Necron player in our league, and Hunter's barely getting into 8th edition, and he decided to try Triple Shadow, shadow Sword lists um, with Kadachan Ooh. Guard. Uh, and he played the, uh, his opponent, who found out he only played Triple Shadow Sword lists, and his opponent brought 5 Doomsday Arcs, and all mm-hmm. Necron Warriors um and hunter the shadow swords long story short shadow swords can't touch doomsday arcs because uh (laughs) because of the quantum shielding you have to roll like
2: they literally can't no (laughs) so so i mean they literally can but you have to yeah it's it's it's, yeah yeah it's
3: just about impossible um i'm not sure i would go so far as to say is like this is the list but doomsday arcs tesseract vaults immortals with tesla big blobs of warriors and you know the deceiver sometimes depending on how many redeploy shenanigans they want to do that's kind of where necrons are at um you will probably see destroyers too you'll see some number of wraiths and or scarabs occasionally (laughs) but necrons are a shooting army and they're really good at spamming out mortal wounds and just like that smite list we just talked about like Mortal wounds are great, you guys. Yeah.
1: Right on. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just. Uh. Just every time I see Necron list, I always get excited because I always wanted to play them as a second army. Mm-hmm. Um. And then. And then. Uh. I was just a little disappointed. But um. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and skip to. Uh, I. I kind of wanted to show talk about Ben Sherwin's list. Uh, with Dark Eldar. Oh
2: yeah. His... might have lost foul by the way. I think he might have fall well
1: come back val it's okay he, he was just busy he was just on a boat i think he's been on a boat this whole time
2: it's tired <laughs> of these americans talking all
1: this talk
3: it's true that's what we do we talk
1: right. <laughs> um yeah. so so ben sherwin uh he brought mandrakes first off which which kudos to him cool for, for bringing mandrakes um but I he, have he,
3: seen them on the table. They are surprisingly dangerous because they got that mortal wounds on sixes thing going for them, which is no joke.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but so he's got Cabalite warriors, Archons, three Mandrakes, two Ravager, three Ravagers, mm-hmm. uh, and then an Eldar detachment with three Fire Prisms and two Hemlock Wraith fighters. Uh, so it's a it's yep. a very shooty, very nice mech-y Eldar mm-hmm. list.
3: Yeah, he's definitely playing the, the mechanized game with, like, minus ones and minus twos to hit basically everything he's got.
1: Right. Um, this is... I, I really like Fire Prisms. Uh, I've heard a lot of good stuff about them.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a, an article that will should be up pretty shortly about Fire Prisms, but uh, long story short, they hit really, really hard. Um, a lot of people were kind of shocked by it, but, like a squad of three fire prisms using their stratagem will just sort of like vaporize most any one thing it shoots at
1: right all right so uh i think that's pretty much it for the midwest conquest gt uh if you guys want to know more just go to best coast pairings um and then real quick the planes of war gt uh small or 38 person uh gt happened this weekend as well uh brendan Krusty. Uh, Krusty is his last name, out spelled. I, I hope um, he won with Astra Militarum. Um So congratulations to him. And you're actually your top two were Astra Militarum lists, and uh, that's where all the Astra Militarum were, because um, I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think I saw a single one in the top fifteen. Nope, there's, there's one guy, Midwest GT, thirteenth place. <clears throat> but they're still a good army. They're they're still really good. And I think I think if you I think if you were to get an event like the LVO. Um, a, a big, you know, big five or six hundred person event that had all the good players. Um, I'd be really curious to see where all the diversity is. Then, um, would we get something like like at Delvio this year, where where eight different players are all running essentially the same list, um, or or will we see diversity?
2: There's fun diversity in guard right now. Uh, Mike Brandt, who won best overall at London GT Open, and then oh, yeah. Reese went five and zero. Oh, yeah. of uh, yeah. our own um team zero comp and frontline gaming um and they're doing a lot of like Catachan blobs massing up um Bulgrins souped up are pretty cool as well mm-hmm. but then there's people there and i I think this is really cool they're taking like a single shadow sword and there's no like mega gimmick about like it hits on toes and gets to shoot twice it's nothing like that or anything like that it's just that it's a solid tank backed up by a lot of bodies that Mm-hmm. can uh, hit you indirectly, and there's some charge element to it. Like, it's really fun that, that we're not seeing the one guard type list, and... You know, because in 7th, that was a problem. It was like, well, if you're facing guard, it's as much artillery as you can put behind, as much defense as you can, and then they're scrambling to get somebody on an objective, and that's how they win, right? And that, yeah. that was kind of lame.
3: No, I think, the, like we, we mentioned, like their diversity, like there are some <gasps> just really weirdly different lists... Popping up all over right now, and they're not all just like sitting on their ass and shooting at you like you're seeing some mobile guard like Reese's Caddishan yeah. uh, combat blob. It's like that's it's a whole bunch of guys moving forward. They want to get close to you, uh, and you're seeing a lot of you know interesting variation in not just guard but a lot of factions.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, and, and you're seeing it actually all over. Um, like for example, the the uh, west the the large tournament that happened on the west coast that uh, J P Moette won we talked about it oh, yeah. last week um the, uh, Rob Porter had that astral list with all the Fulgurite priests right mm-hmm. like that 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 was really cool and that's something that I I could see seriously contending if someone actually buys those models and puts the effort into learning that army <laughs> um, and then knights are coming up uh, who knows where knights are gonna go. Harlequins, Har- yeah. Harlequins, uh, Harlequins are already looking good. Yeah, from the what, Harlequin book from what looks GW's. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, who knows what where where we're going with this? Um, but it's really cool. It's really exciting. Um, eventually, when all the codexes get released, I'd like to have like maybe like a two episode special where we we rank all the codexes, we tier them up like God tier down to F or whatever. I think that'd be really sure. cool. Um, but. Anyways, guys, I think that's pretty much it. That's, that's all the time we have. Uh, I have to get to bed and start chopping this episode up. Jeff, <laughs> Sean, Val, Silver Tongued Devil. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you guys very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Pablo. All right, guys. Thanks very much for listening to Chapter Tactics. If you guys want to email me, have any questions, once again, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. You guys can also hit up sean at org on his articles uh, or if you just want to get into a long, lengthy debate and, like, arguing, Sean's your guy. Uh, oh if you want get... am I. <laughs> if you want to get entertained, check Jeff out on his channel. Um, or if you're sick of 40K, Jeff does other stuff other than 40K, uh, like StarCraft primarily. Um, so check them out. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening, guys. You guys are the best. Have a good one.